，鬼岛之音。Ghost Island Media。Hi, I'm Nature Nate, and this is Waste Not, Why Not, a podcast on how not to save the environment. I'm an environmental researcher based in Taiwan. I work on energy, ocean, and waste issues. It's our first episode of 2020. It's almost Lunar New Year, and we got gifts for everyone. Don't worry, I already know what you wanted. It's a carbon offset. You get an energy efficiency lighting system in Indonesia. You get a tree planting scheme on a cocoa farm run by a really nice lady and her son. You get a Mongolian clean cooking stove. You get some、uh, windmills in Sweden. You get a orangutan rehabilitation program, and the orangutans are treated really well. Carbon offsets. The gifts you didn't know you wanted. It's okay if you didn't get me anything. I'm saving the planet, so that's like a gift by itself for me every day. That I am slowly stopping our complete destruction single-handedly. Okay, but seriously, people are fretting about the existential doom of our planet and society. We want to make a difference, but do these offsets pop off? Or are they just off? Today we're going to just focus on the voluntary market. We're not going to be talking about cap and trade, CDM, red. Don't even worry about what any of those things are. We're just going to talk about you and I, average people buying carbon offsets. But first, what is a carbon offset? For my simple folks, carbon offsets is a product that you can buy that hashtag cancels your carbon emissions. Let's say you are not Greta Thunberg and you have to fly planes. You can pay some money to someone to go plant trees to absorb the carbon and to make up for all the emissions. You are personally responsible, and you are too lazy to take a boat or train. The first popular headline-grabbing case of carbon offsets was when British Airways offered them for their flights in 2007. When you buy a carbon offset, you are canceling out the emissions that you make. By essentially paying someone or something else to absorb that equal amount of carbon, one common way is through reforestation or through planting trees. Trees are made of carbon. Trees pull carbon out of the atmosphere. It's very obvious. Other less obvious ways might be things like if you install energy efficient equipment, you're going to reduce your energy demand, and there's going to be an amount of carbon that is saved in making that transition. We call these carbon offsets voluntary because you don't have to buy them. There is no legal mandate to do that as individuals. The thing to do before you buy an offset is to calculate your carbon footprint to figure out how many you need to buy. During these carbon offset quizzes, they ask you: Do you eat beef? Do you eat pork? Do you eat chicken? Each of those different types of animal that you consume, or lack of animal you consume. Is going to have a different carbon consequence. Beef is generally the worst, and then each other type of animal you refuse to eat is going to reduce your carbon impact. The other area that they ask you about is your travel. Do you drive to work? Do you bike? Do you walk? Airline travel being one of the worst. The last area is on your energy. So they ask you whether or not you use natural gas or wood or how you power your home. Do you live in a country like Taiwan that is mostly powered by fossil fuels, or do you live in a country like Costa Rica where most of your energy comes from hydropower? 
Okay, now I'm going to get very personal with you guys and answer some very private questions about my carbon footprint. To get started, I just Google carbon footprint calculator. We're now at calculator.carbonfootprint.com slash calculator.aspx. They give you a country option. They actually let you pick Taiwan Republic of China, which is something I almost never see. Okay, enter your consumption of each type of energy and press the calculate button. How many kilowatt hours of electricity do I use? I'm just going to put 200. Sounds right. Which heating oil do I use? That's definitely zero because Taiwan's hot. How many metric tons of coal do I use? How much liquid propane? How many wood pellets? Who is this for? Like a factory owner? Car. How many kilometers did I drive? Zero. I just take taxis and Ubers. Motorbike. Zero. I just sometimes ride on my girlfriend's scooter. How many kilometers of subway do you travel? This is functionally impossible. I don't understand how anyone except for the most data-driven, self-reflective person, you could figure all this out. But for most, they're probably not workable. However, there is a calculator that I do like called the Global Footprint Network. And if you want to play along, you can go to www.footprintcalculator.org. First question is, how often do you eat animal-based products? Occasionally. But if we were in a professional setting, I would say I never do. Next question. Which housing type best describes your home? It's technically a multi-story apartment, but the apartment above me might be illegal. I'm just going to say multi-story apartment. Okay, what material is your house constructed with? It's honestly just cinder blocks. They just drilled into my wall one day to install air conditioning, which is very bad for the climate. Do you have electricity in your home? I think it'd be very difficult to take this quiz if the answer was no. How energy efficient is your home? Taiwan has almost no energy efficiency, so it's hardly energy efficient. What is the average fuel economy of the vehicles you use? I've never asked the cab driver that. I'm just going to pick the standard option of 7 liters per 100 kilometers. How many hours do you fly each year? 13 hours to the U.S., 11 hours back... And then I had to do that twice, so that's 48 hours. But then I took some other small trips, maybe 70. Okay, that was it. That was the end of the quiz. Uh, I got my carbon footprint calculator back, and it says that my carbon footprint is 15.5 tons of CO2 emissions per year. And the majority of my impact is coming from mobility. I assume it's the flying. 15.5 tons of CO2 is similar to the average American. It's hard to know if 15.5 tons is a little or a lot, so I'm going to compare it to hardwood trees. Over its lifespan, when this tree reaches 40 years old, it will have absorbed a ton of carbon. My impact each year is equal to 15 40-year-old hardwood trees. Papa, why do we have to row our boat to school every day? The teacher says we used to drive in these things called cars. Well, my son, I did not really want to pay more than ten bucks a year to stop climate change. That's like a month of Netflix. How could I have possibly kept up with Terrace House if I didn't get my flicks? But Papa, ten dollars doesn't sound like a lot. That's right. Nature Nate's future grandchild. It's not. To prevent long five-hour boat commutes, 
you too can fight climate change by donating to this podcast on Patreon. We also take cash in red envelopes. Carbon offsets are not accepted. First, you calculate your footprint. So then you know how many offsets you need to buy. Then you go to a marketplace like an Amazon, but for carbon offsets, and you choose which carbon offset you want to buy. So they're all one ton of carbon, but different projects have different additional social benefits. One way to think about this is to think about each ton of CO2 you emit per year as like a ticket at a carnival, and you can cash it in to help different people all around the world. When people ask me how to offset their carbon, I generally refer them to the gold standard. A consortium of NGOs set this up, but basically it's a high standard, a gold standard, if you will, of carbon offsets. And they have many different types of carbon offsets, and they're all verified. If you want to offset your carbon, like any good capitalist, you want to find the cheapest way to offset your carbon. I'm looking for those carbon bargains. Okay, we want to find the cheapest carbon offsets. So, indigenous reforestation, that's $18 a ton. Safe water in Rwanda, $12 a ton. Solar cooking for refugee families, $15 a 11. ton. 11, ooh, what's 11? Climate plus portfolio variety of projects. Okay, that's like the two-buck chuck of carbon offsets. They just take all the good offsets from last year and put them into a bin. Ooh, 10. Okay, here we go. Here's a tip. Scroll down for the cheaper offsets. 100 megawatt wind power project, $10. Seems like a lot of the energy projects are cheaper and helping people is more money. Can't imagine why that would be the case. You might think that I'm being sarcastic or insensitive by trying to go through these projects and find the cheapest carbon offsets possible, but it gets at something that I find really uncomfortable with offsetting carbon. Offsetting your carbon in this way, in this e-commerce style feels like a gamification of environmental destruction. It feels like golf. It's like carbon climate golf. You want to have a score of zero and you need to acquire points in the most efficient or maybe the most socially impactful way of doing that. Are carbon offsets a waste? If we were to party, I would say yes, carbon offsets are a waste. The incentives are misaligned. If I offset all of my carbon, That is not creating a disincentive for my, let's say, local power company to using coal. They don't care because I'm offsetting their emissions. If I am eating beef and I want to offset that, that doesn't change how the cattle industry works. That doesn't change their carbon emissions. Getting carbon offset certification can be extremely expensive. One case that I'm reasonably close with is about wetlands in Myanmar. It costs half a million U.S. dollars to certify that entire forest. It does help other people somewhere else, but thinking there's this, like, pay-it-forward-for-climate system is just delusional. Helping vulnerable communities adapt to climate change or helping communities that have serious air pollution or conservation challenges, helping them deal with those problems and giving them alternative sources of funding is good, But I don't think that this gamification of carbon offsetting is healthy, nor do I think it's really going to lead to meaningful change in our societies. Earlier, I made a joke that I don't emit carbon from cars because I take Ubers and taxis. That was obviously a joke, but what I'm getting at is that the scope 
of our emissions if I take an Uber? Is that Uber's greenhouse gas emissions or are those mine? If I eat a steak, is the steak my greenhouse gas emissions or are they the cattle ranchers? Am I truly responsible for the power grid in Taiwan when it's run by a government agency that has refused to develop renewable energy for the entirety of its production? Maybe, but is my only recourse then to buy offsets? And does me buying offsets lead to any changes in that utility at all? I'm not saying that offsets are futile, but they don't lead to systemic change. They don't lead to community change. They may not even lead to your own personal change. If you know that it only costs you $10 to fly across the Atlantic, maybe that's okay. But what happens if it costs $100, $200? Then the airlines will change. Then everything will change. So I don't judge people for buying carbon offsets, nor would I tell them not to buy them, but I think they should be aware of what they're buying. You can buy a carbon offset if you're having a bad day and you want that immediate fix of feeling better. You can feel like you're pushing a button, doing something, putting your money, voting for the world that you want. My belief is that individuals should not be offsetting their carbon. Companies, governments, institutions should be offsetting their carbon. When we put the burden on the individual, we are avoiding putting the responsibility on the emitters of carbon. That's why we need real change, like a carbon tax. As like an environmental researcher, you're expected to tell someone the honest state of the world, and then you're also supposed to somehow make them feel better. There are things to be optimistic about. It was unimaginable several years ago that we would have major international companies committing to using 100% renewable energy. It was unimaginable that cities would be banning combustion vehicles. There are things to be optimistic about. The optimism that you feel should not dull your anger or your frustration because that is a powerful tool. You should feel helpless because that's the situation we're in. been the Waste Not Why Not podcast. Do you have a question for us? Send us an email to ask at wastenotwhynot.com. You could even do a voice recording. Subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I suggest giving us a good rating. Support us on Patreon. We are Waste Not Why Not on Patreon and Facebook and Waste Not Pod on Twitter. This has been a Ghost Island Media production. I'm your host, Nature Nate. This episode was produced and edited by Allison Chan with Yu Chen Lai. Our executive producer is Emily Y. Wu. Brain design by Thomas Lee. We recorded this at MyCoin, a Bitcoin exchange based in Taipei, Taiwan. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.